You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Diamond District Bonus Hour. Thanks so much for being with us on this final Tuesday of the month. Seth Everett, Pat Kerwin to join us on the show tomorrow. Pat flying to the Combine today. And he hits the ground running. They've got six or eight interviews this afternoon. And, you know, Pat will join us and tell us what he thinks he knows and what he heard on the show tomorrow. I'll be with you guys in the studio tomorrow and uh, Thursday. All right. (laughs) Look at that. I'm excited. Still look forward. Yeah. (laughs) Still look forward to that. I do. Uh, I certainly It's better in person. Sorry, David. Go big ahead. day tomorrow. Cancer screening, getting taxes done. I mean, could you could you root canal somebody anymore? You didn't have time. You didn't have time for the dentist. <laughs> no, I, I transferred. Proctologist not busy. I mean, <laughs> right. I that's a couple of things that I, I do in my new home. But there there are things that I still people I trust for some big things cancer and the irs so you know I, I just i make the drive to the 239 for that so well we're excited to have you we got to figure out what the post show meal is either yeah, wednesday or thursday you guys were talking about let's do it thursday because i got a the, the screening i got a race to uh tomorrow so let's do the post show meal on thursday but uh, just something to look forward to i'll be there and uh i'll uh I'll have warm weather clothes and uh, 57 degrees air conditioning in the studio. I'm bringing it all with me. That's smart move. <laughs> Be prepared for anything. Although winter has officially ended, I believe, in uh, southwest Florida. We're going to start seeing the 80s again. And I know. It won't be in the seventies again till November. I mean, it'll be, it'll be awesome. And uh, hopefully in late November at that. But I have to admit, I got excited last segment talking to a little baseball. And we talked baseball outside of the 6 o'clock hour, which is always a risky proposition. But I got excited. I did. Starting to handicap the AL East and looking at the Rays and, you know, I'm just how how much are we going to cannonball into the deep end about the Yankees again this year? Orioles had a lot of young guys come through in a big way last year. Are we sure all those young guys are going to come through again? I think the position players will. I'm sold on their lineup. We sure all that young pitching's going to give them the innings and the production that they gave them last year? Remember, their closer blew out his elbow. They're going with Kimbrell as their closer. He ain't going to be as effective as the guy they had last year at closer because that guy was damn near the best closer in the game. Rays are picked to finish fourth based on over-unders. Uh, the Jays are at 86 and a half. The Yankees are at 93 and a half. They don't even have, for whatever reason, they don't have Baltimore listed on the Hard Rock app, but the Rays are 84 and a half, and I'm going to make a safe assumption and say the Orioles over-under is going to be higher than that. I thought I'd read it's 95 and a half on the Orioles. So, tell you what, the Yankees don't have enough starting pitching. No. But... If they go get Blake Snell, 
because they're probably not going to get Jordan Montgomery because they already had him and he didn't pitch well for him. And so that seems to be off the table. They're trying to wait out Boris and Blake Snell, apparently. Because every dollar that the Yankees spend on Blake Snell is essentially like spending two bucks in terms of the luxury tax. So that's why signing Blake Snell to $30 million is a minimum $45 million and could be 60 So th- that's why the Yankees. But I think it's a bad look for the Yankees. The Yankees should never not sign anybody over money. No, it's just it's tough when you're signing Snell to that kind of money knowing that he's only going to pitch five innings a night. Yeah, maybe six. But yes, okay, I know, I, but I know. but on well, average, it's yes. going to be five innings a night, right? Because for every six inning start, there's going to be a three or a four inning start in there, and that's just the part that you've got to wrap your head around. And I'm with you, David. I think that the Yankees have to do it, but it is it is a tough proposition, even when you have unlimited money to spend it on a guy that you know on his best day gets you to the sixth inning. Just, I trust Aaron Boone to keep him in the game in the sixth when he's got a two-hitter going. Depends what the book says, David. Depends what the book says. Is that no, a Kevin Cash? Can. Yes. Okay. I yeah. figured I got the reference, but I and, just had and to listen. Sure. I mean, Kevin Cash is a, so much a better manager than Aaron Boone, but taking Blake Snell out, he'd given up a, two base runners against the Dodgers in five and a third, and you're taking him out of the game. It's it just... David, are your Mets a 500 team this year? Because uh, their number is 82 and a half. Yeah, that's... I think so. I like it, David. I'll tell you what, they are really rolling the dice on their pitching. That is a bad position to be in. Really rolling the dice with their pitching. They had a lot of guys who had bad years last year, and they're counting on them to have better years this year. But I'll say this. I really don't like the Marlins offseason. I I think this was a huge mistake. I hope I'm proven wrong. They made the playoffs last year. I didn't like them forcing Kim Ang out, number one. Uh, She took the Marlins to the playoffs, for goodness sakes. Really? She couldn't get a contract extension? You're bringing in somebody over her? After what she did, you only let her run the show for a little over a year. She was taking orders from Jeter before that. The minute you gave her the keys to the car, she, you know, got, if this was an F1 analogy, she got you on the podium, for goodness sake. What the heck? I was going to say, she wasn't ripping it up in the left lane, but she was pretty steady. Yeah. I mean, qualified sixth, finished third. I mean, what the heck? But... Her trades worked out. They don't keep Solaire. They don't add to the lineup. They choose Tim Anderson over Ahmed Rosario. Rosario, million and a half. Anderson, five million. Yeah, Anderson's ceiling's higher. Did you see Tim Anderson last year? He was horrible. Literally horrible. One of the five worst position players in the sport last year. It's a huge roll of the dice. If you get Tim Anderson from 2021 with the White Sox, you hit gold. But if you get last year's Tim Anderson, he'll be out of baseball by Memorial Day. 
And it's not like the lineup's got a lot of oomph to protect guys and make guys better. No. You know, no. I mean, that, that's that's the other side. Sometimes you bring guys in and you've got a way to protect them in your lineup that you think you can do better. That lineup can't protect anybody. It doesn't hit. Plus, last year was a bit of a magic carpet ride year. They won all, all the one-run one games. games. Yep. Now, granted, they had lost all those one-run games the year before. So in this year, if they middle out, and play around 500 baseball in one-run games. Well, subtract that from their 84 wins. Now you're talking about a 73-75 to win team, and they're not as good offensively as they were last year. I know their pitching's good, but it's not – it's not good enough to overcome the rest of the roster, in my opinion. Well, in in that division as well. Well, yeah, because you got two teams that are good to start the year. I mean, the, the Braves are the best team in baseball, and the Phillies are good. And the Mets will be better than they were a year ago. And then there's the Nationals. But I was excited talking a little Rays there, talking a little baseball. We talked Rays and Marlins. I mean, you should be giddy. You got to drive today. You can put on MLB radio. I mean, you're going to have a hell of a day, David. I know. If we, if we could just get a signing today, late morning, if we could get a signing, I could listen to that the whole drive. That would be phenomenal. We can get a Blake Snell, you know, the Red Sox doing something, or a Blake Snell signing. That's gold. That'd take me right through. With all the behind-the-scenes stuff David's been saying the last couple of weeks about his disgust with the MLB offseason, I don't think anything would make David happier than a signing today. For his something for his trade down. Fire somebody today. Honestly, trade somebody today. <laughs> fire somebody. I think the Red Sox fan base would be happy if they signed somebody today. You know who else would be happy? They're players. Yes. <laughs> the one guy they paid in the last three years came out and said, We had a horrible offseason. We all know what we need. They apparently don't want to purchase it. Well, there you go. Do you remember how tough it was to get a ticket at Fenway Park? Apparently this year, you're going to be able to just walk up to just about any game and buy a good seat. I mean, they apparently have lost half their season ticket base. That this is goes back to, I mean, this is pre-Theo. This is even pre-Dan Duquette. I mean, apparently this is going back a while is the last time you could get Red Sox tickets like this. They're not in favor of the teardown, David. Two years ago, they were in the ALCS. Right. Now, granted, I think three of the last four years they finished last. The Red Sox have had a phenomenon. Remember the one year, 2012, they finished last. 2013, they won the World Series. You know, they've they've been a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish here. But they have, what have they done? They've let a lot of good players, a lot of players that were well liked, go. Yeah, they're like the and Cowboys, though. Every year is you gotta go year to year, push all your chips in the middle every single year. They should. I have to admit, I don't quite understand. They said to the guy that they hired as GM, "We don't want you to re-sign Mookie. We don't want you to spend the money on this guy. We want you to trade him, get the assets." Our farm system is one of the five worst in baseball. We need you to build it back up. Now the Red Sox system's top 10. He does everything you want. One of the four years, they actually go to the ALCS and they fire him. 
Now, the fan base can disagree with what he did, but he literally did everything he was told to do. I mean, I don't understand why you just don't sit down and say, okay, now we're changing course. We want you to do this, this, and this. Okay, boss. But they're not doing that. They fired him, and they no. seem to be keeping on keeping on without signing players. And now they're, you know, their fan base is upset. Who cares? Their players are upset over what they're signing. That seems to be a bigger issue to me. You don't have how many teams do you have come out before the season starts and says, "Well, this roster sucks," and the front office knew what to do but just refused to do it. And if they sign a Jordan Montgomery, which people are hinting at, they're still a last place team. That's the other thing. They've let so much get away that until the farm system makes its way to Fenway, they're still a fifth place team. Miller and Moulton. By the way, our poll question, how many spring training games are you going to this year? Vote. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Had a baseball fan uh, text me uh, during the commercial break and say, uh, Red Sox have had a banner offseason. Apparently, one of their beat writers yesterday said that uh, – the biggest acquisition so far for the Red Sox this offseason was uh, Heinz Ketchup. is the new ketchup at Fenway. It's the biggest move of the offseason so far for the Red Sox as a condiment. So, not that they're getting bad press or anything. It has been an <laughs> awful offseason for the Red Sox. As we just documented, they have players now right. going public with their lack of acquisitions during the off season. Hey, a uh, couple of things here. First off, is there a running back you'd pay? We got Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, uh, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift. Uh, you could even go Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Dobbins is coming back from an Achilles. Is there a running back that you would pay? Well, Define, uh, not to be a jerk here, but define pay. Three ten years? Or more, ten or more million. For two three or three or years? years? No. So you wouldn't guarantee 30 million over three years for any of those backs? Barkley would be close. Barkley's tag is 12-1. So is Jacob's tag. Yeah, I'm not sure I care much about the tag because with all these running backs being available, I don't know how any of them can think they're going to get $12 million. My bad. Jacobs tags 14 and change. But I'm just saying their teams are not tagging. Right. So if you were representing, you know, Jacobs and Barkley. Barkley would be my first choice. He turns 27. There are rumors that Harbaugh and the Chargers are very interested. And goodness knows. You know, bringing in Greg Knapp and the same people he had in San Francisco. Remember what the Niners did a lot of under Harbaugh? They ran the hell out of the ball. And that's his type of back. Eckler really isn't. Barkley can play more of a power back type role. But I don't think, you know, three for 30 and I'm guaranteeing 20 of it. Josh Jacobs is younger than Barkley. Barkley, what, 26? Will play next year at 27? I mean, isn't Jacobs 24? Played last year at 24? It's going to be 25, I think, this year? Now, you know, coming off the down year, I get it. But how much of that was him and how much of that was the Raiders? 
Josh Jacobs, for what it's worth, actually just turned 26 this month. Okay, so he's 20, He's going to play this year at 26. You get him 26, 27, 28. Three for 33, Josh Jacobs. You wouldn't do it? And I'm guaranteeing two of it. You're guaranteed 25 million. Right. So guaranteed two years. And, you know, if, if we get rid of you, here, take this with you. I don't think it's necessary. Not with what's out there on the market, David. He just made 10 and change last year, I believe. Or with incentives, I think it was over 11. But think about this. I mean, these guys can't even get, you know, last year, Jacobs, Barkley, and uh, Pollard all got tagged, and they were all miserable getting tagged for 10 and change. And in Jacobs' case, he got a little more. I mean, we don't even know if they are going to get last year's tag. Last I, year's tag. There's no way they're getting last year's tag. No one's getting four. Jacob's tag was 14 million. No, no, no. It's 14 this year. Okay, I'm sorry. I think so, he played last year between 11 and 12. I think because he was first team All Pro, his number was a little higher. Okay, let's just 12. No one's getting 12. What do you What do you think you could sign Derrick Henry for next year? Well, I think Henry. It depends. Uh, but I think Henry, no more than eight. And I think it could be six with incentives. That's... But I think somebody wants him, Mark, and is going to give him eight guaranteed right away. And it'll be a place where he knows, I'm going to get 250 carries here. Which is only 15 a game, but still. like Dallas, would be, a, Dallas would be a great place for him. I agree. Would be a great place for him. I agree. You move on from Pollard, okay, well, and then you have Henry as your A back, okay, and you've got other guys there who can fill in and be your two and three. I agree, and you save money at the position, and I don't think – I mean, Pollard the last two years has rushed for basically 1,000 yards each year, nothing more than that. Didn't Derrick Henry rush for about 1,000 yards last year? But that's why when you start talking about – you know, three for 30, three for 33. I can get a Derrick Henry for six with incentives to eight. I know you think it's eight. I think you can get him for six and maybe he can make nine there, especially if it's the right team. I mean, all Austin Eckler does is score touchdowns and catch the ball. So he's great in short yardage. He has a nose for the end zone and he's a heck of a receiver out of the backfield. I mean... I know they're devaluing the position, but these guys are good players. They're productive players. What are we constantly talking about? Teams need to do what? Run the ball more. Well, you need somebody to do it with, right? They got to be decent, right? I mean, Buffalo was finally able to run the football this year with someone not named Josh Allen in the second half of the year. Why? Finally had a running back they trusted. I mean, how about Cook, by the way? He's a free agent. Yeah, last year, you know, it was a mess for him. Ends up with the Jets. It doesn't play. But, I mean, you know, what about Cook? If I could pose this to you guys, what would you give Swift? Because his whole, his whole thing, his whole career has been injuries. He just played 16 games for the Eagles. He's not going to get more than four or five million dollars. Yeah. 
That's that's what I figured you'd say, but I just wanted- I mean, but I mean, just just if you stack the running backs that are up in free agency, where yeah. does he rank? Like eight. Yeah, and I'm, he's a, I'm, and I'm he's a you. nice I'm, back. I'm talking about the value you could maybe get him for. Okay. Do you think he'll get two for twelve? Okay, eight of it guaranteed. I do think he would get a two-year deal, not three. I think he gets a one-year deal. I think most of these running backs are going to get one-year deals. That's what the NFL GMs want to give. Got to remember, these teams just all came into some money here. I I, I understand that, but we're signing more and more one-year deals every year. If you're an agent, by the way, are you going to pull a Boris here, or are you going to go, Derek, I know you wanted eight. They're offering six and a starter's job. With incentives, we can get to nine. I think we should take it. Because if I'm representing the running backs, I'm signing. I'm as not soon as out. David, as quickly as is humanly possible. Like I like the Swift signing. If somebody were to do it, and I agree with Logic Man in our Twitch chat room, the Eagles should keep him. Twelfth in rushing attempts last year, despite having a career high basically across the board. A thousand yards plus. He's a dynamic player. When he's healthy. When he's healthy, right. Last and, year and, was the only year he was healthy. Correct. So So is that he's he's injury prone or he just had bad luck? I mean, even if even if you want to call him injury prone, I mean he's played at least thirteen games every year. So it's not like it's a huge problem. It's not like, like he's having career or season-ending injuries. Like, I think the Giants are making a huge mistake with Barkley. They're a bad team. They don't have a lot of good players. He's one of them. Also, the locker room loves him. He's apparently the hardest-working guy on the team. I thought last year they should have signed him to three for 36 or what have you. And when you're a bad team and you want to stay in football games, isn't running the football a, a method to shorten the game and give you a better opportunity when your roster's not good? I'm with you, David, but that's not where the league's going. I just don't know what they're thinking. I mean, really? You devalue the running back position that much? I know these guys didn't draft him or what have you, but I mean, seriously? You're not going to get better than Saquon Barkley. You got a $255 million cap. You're going to lose your best player over a couple million bucks? What the heck? Welcome to the Bonus Hour, brought to you by Jason and Todd at the Diamond District. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Last segment of the final Tuesday in February. Thanks for being with us. Diamond District Bonus Hour for Miller Moulton. Pat Kerwin, Seth Everett on the show tomorrow. So we got that going for us, which is nice. It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. 1901 we start today, David. Because before today in 1901, I don't know what they did with foul balls. But the NL Rules Committee ruled that fouls are strikes except after two strikes. Seems kind of important to the game. Well, yeah, because I think it was a strikeout, wasn't it? Wasn't it an out? Yeah, I don't know what the alternative would have been. I I think before 1901, if you had two strikes on you and you fouled it off, I thought you were out. You couldn't battle. You couldn't stay in there. (laughs) That'd speed the game up. 
1960. This was the first time we beat Russia. Squaw Valley, 3-2, USA over Russia en route to a gold medal. Herb Brooks, the final cut on the 1960 U.S. Olympic hockey team. In fact, the team picture was taken. He was in it. Today in 66, Petty wins the 500, which was just kind of what he did. 1968, this is when Cronkite said we're going to lose the war in Vietnam on the CBS News. Yeah, that changed things. Lyndon Johnson, like days later, said, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to run. Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder record Ebony and Ivory today in 1981. Don't you think of Saturday Night Live? Yes. Yes. Piscopo and Eddie Murphy. Piscopo doing Frank Sinatra and Eddie Murphy doing Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Trent, Google it. Look it up. You, you'll laugh out loud. If you know the song, you'll laugh. Okay. If you don't know the song, it might not do as much I do love you. Eddie Murphy. He always gets me. Today in 87, the NCAA cancels SMU's entire 1987 schedule. They had had it. Gene Sarenson, John Steinbeck, Elizabeth Taylor, Howard Hessman all born today. Joanne Woodward's 94. Guitarist Neil Sean, 70. James Worthy is 63. Jockey Kent DeSormo is 54. God, I won a lot of money on him. Yes, you did. (laughs) Deuce Staley's 49 and Tony Gonzalez is 48. What did I miss, David? Um... So, in 1980, they had the Grammys today. And they had a category, and I don't know exactly when it started. It was it had to be sometime in the 70s. For best disco recording. So, today, in 1980, was what turned out to be the last ah, all right. Grammy given away so you could officially make the case there are those of us was it 79 july comiskey right in between you know disco demolition night and what have you a lot of people believe that was the death of disco i do think you could argue officially the death of disco was february 27th 1980 when i will survive wins the last grammy for best disco recording Little Gloria Gaynor. Yeah, actually. you're doing it in your head. You 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 can admit it. You're singing it in your head right now. Oh, totally. Those Grammys in 1980, by the way. I just looked it up. Kenny Rogers hosted and won the most awards that night. What a night for Kenny. Yeah, he was a BFD there for a while. He had a good run. You're you the know, host. I, I watched and you just that. Keep accepting Grammys. I watched that Greatest Night in Pop about the making of We Are the World, and you know Kenny Rogers and like Huey Lewis. You forgot what a big deal. In the 80s, Huey Lewis was. He was was a hit-making machine there for about three, four years. He was. And not only that, I mean, you know, and the videos. I mean, talk about somebody that MTV really benefited. And he sang the line in the song that was Prince's line. His little cameo in the We Are the World solo was supposed to be Prince. They brought in Huey when Prince didn't show. Sports by Huey Lewis was probably a top five album that my dad played for us growing oh, up. Oh, ha- yeah. It was, just, it, was, it was a monster. Always on. A monster. So, uh, it, controversy today at the Oscars in uh, 35. So, apparently, uh, 
Shirley Temple won an Oscar. She was six. They gave her a miniature Oscar. (laughs) I guess if you were under the age of nine, they gave you like an Oscar that was half the size. You know, they're going to age out. I mean, you know, they come on, put it on the mantle. No? It's probably a lot cheaper to give the kids the small ones. You know, I mean, it's bad enough she's got to sit at the kids' table and she's an Oscar winner. Could she at least have the Oscar be, you know, full size? By the way, if you win an Oscar, if you're a movie star at six, do you still sit at the kids' table? No. I mean, you probably get one of the two heads at the table, don't you? I, I would think. Seem like a big deal. And that's just at home. <laughs> You've heard folks elsewhere mock Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? Well, for the good, we go to Cadillac, Michigan. Or as my buddy Roy Bunnett would say, God's country. Where a Wexford County man... Stopped at the AMVETS Post 110 to pick up some lotto tickets. And the next day, he got a call from the clerk at AMVETS saying, Check your tickets. We sold a jackpot winner last night. And damned if he wasn't the jackpot winner, scoring himself $4.37 million. He's going to take the lump sum of $3 million, and he's going to use the money for his retirement. Good for him. For the bad, we go to North Fort Myers, where a teen was arrested after he stole $950 from a woman's truck in the Suncoast Community Center. 13-year-old Ryan Cottrell's already got a life of crime, and he doesn't look very happy in his mugshot either. For the ugly... We'll stay in Southwest Florida where a Fort Myers man is accused of breaking into Page Field and attempting to steal an airplane. (laughs) Well, I mean, a canoe's one thing, but a plane's something else. Bruce Pumler broke into the airport overnight. He got into one plane. He was unable to start it. He got into the other. He was able to get the plane to move, but he crashed into a fence. When the Lee County Sheriff's officers arrived at the scene, they saw the aircraft off of the runway. At the crash site, they found a gun and a tactical vest. Okay, so this guy was definitely stoned and watched Top Gun and got this genius idea. That's what happened. (laughs) He made his way to the Circle K where deputies apprehended him. They searched the gun. It was registered to Plumler as well. And that is the good, the bad, and the ugly on today, February the 27th, 2024. 11 games in the association tonight. The TNT double dip, Philly at Boston. You know, if Embiid was playing, but Boston's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. The nightcap is Houston at OKC. Wow. That's a pretty bad nightcap. I I don't think uh, Kenny, Shaq, uh, Barkley, and the boys are going to speak well of that. Houston and OKC is their nightcap. Uh, The Heat, by the way, playing once again, six-and-a-half-point favorites in Portland. Magic, nine-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Nets. 
And the Knicks, who shouldn't have beaten the Pistons yesterday, got the benefit of one of the three worst calls of the year. They're a home dog to the Pelicans. So there you go. Lots of opportunities to wager. Dallas is in Cleveland, by the way, for just a decent game. All right, David. There is only there are two games that fit the criteria. One fits it, the other one kind of fits it. Kentucky is on the road, 16th rate Kentucky on the road at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a three and a half point favorite, by the way. Right. Not the other way around. And the other one is Utah State, 22nd ranked in the country. They are at Fresno State. Fresno State is a dumpster fire. They're ninth in the Mountain West. They're getting 11 and a half at home. We're supposed to blindly just take Fresno State. This yep. is our system. It's working. It's working big. We took Michigan at home against Purdue, and Michigan's a dumpster fire. That's true. I, I think it's just a it's a don't think, just throw. So Trust the real the question is, are we taking Mississippi State and laying three and a half at home against Kentucky? On the surface, it looks like our system, but the Bulldogs are favored. They're supposed to be the three and a half point dog. They're not. Your guys call. I was lousy yesterday. I'm not allowed to make a pick today. I say we do it. I think we have to. Okay. So we got two system plays, or I guess one and a half system plays. We're taking them both. Yep. So Fresno State at home getting 11 and a half. Mississippi State at home laying three and a half. They're both hosting ranked teams. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Our system's been money. So the Panthers are hosting the Sabres. Tampa Bay's in Philly. That's a game that's got playoff ramifications. Flyers clinging to the final guaranteed playoff spot in their division. Got some good games. Vegas is in Toronto. By the way, Caps wings in Detroit's a big game because the Caps are trying to chase down Tampa and Detroit for a playoff spot. Dallas and Colorado, pretty solid game. Pretty good night of hockey, to be brutally honest with you, David. It really is. Penguins on an absolute must five-game road trip, and they're injured. Two of their top three scorers aren't playing. They're in Vancouver, who has the best record in the league. This is probably the road trip that determines whether or not the Penguins are buyers or sellers at the deadline. Problem is, they've got Getzel on the IR, and that's one of the guys that's been rumored to be traded to a lot of different teams, so he's got to get healthy if they're going to move him. Because he's got years left on the contract, good player, that they think they could get a haul for if they were to unload him. But the same token, they they told Crosby and Mulkin and them they weren't going to trade away their good players. They were going to try to add good players to you guys. And the league's a little torn on Getzel. It's like, well, yeah, he's a good player, but he plays with Crosby. I mean, you know. There are some of us that think that I could score a few goals, putting my stick on the ice and going to the net with Sidney Crosby as my teammate. Yes, I I understand completely what you're saying. Right. I think Mark Miller's a a point-of-game guy with Crosby. (laughs) Apparently, that's not the case. They put other people with him. They're not a a point-of-game guy, but I don't know. So, anyway, that's just some of what's out there. 
I have a proposal. Uh-oh. I want to see if I can convince you guys at all. The Pistons against the spread this year. They're an exact coin flip. They're 28, 28, and one. One push. They are 11 and a half point dogs against the Bulls tonight who suck. And yes, I know the Pistons suck, but the Pistons coming off last night's snafu, they can cover snafu. 11 and a half. That wasn't a snafu. They got screwed. Yes. Uh, that's not a snafu. A snafu was the AT&T phone outage. <laughs> that was a snafu. Ah, well played, David. I like that a lot. But they're 11 and a half point dogs coming off of that. I think they're going to play hard, and they're playing another bad team. So, yeah, they might lose, but they'll lose by eight, not 12. No. Come on. Um, the Pistons, I don't think you're allowed to call someone else bad. Okay, maybe Washington, they've won nine games. San Antonio's won 11. Charlotte and Portland have each won 15. That's about, I think, the how far you, Mr. Piston, can go. The Bulls are the nine seed in the East. They are 19 games ahead of the Pistons in the standings. And think about it. All of those Nick players that were playing for the Pistons wanted to go back and beat the team that traded them. They're going to give a little more effort in that game. Now it's the second game in as many nights. Tough to do in the NBA. I I hear you. I just It's a big number. That's all. It's a big number. The Pistons are 6-4 and four against the spread in February. They're going to cap it, it off way. tonight. 7-4. and four. Come on. Put it this way. I'd rather take the heat and lay the six and a half at Portland. Okay. Well, I'll say this. I like that too, actually. Young Trent's been on an NBA roll here. So, you know, Trent, you can take my money and do whatever you want with it. Mark's money, you know, you, he may not he may not let you have it. No, he just buys hot dogs for me. That's that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how many more we're gonna buy considering that you ate one and Got a to go. go box, yeah, for a hot dog. <sighs> Miller and Moulton, so much work to be done. 